Hey, welcome back to Woman Talk to God, WTTG. It's been a minute, y'all. I'm your host, your girl, Sean Owens, and I'm super excited that you have decided to join us for 25 days in December of Making Much of Jesus. We will be hearing some awesome testimonies from both men and women how Jesus is still saving souls. Let's tune in. Hey, friends. Today I have the honor to sit and chat with my big bro, Pastor T., we are about to hear his testimony of how Jesus is still saving sinners like you and me. Welcome to the podcast, Pastor T. What's up, Sean? Thanks for having me on. It's a joy. Thank you for saying yes and being willing. I know you're oh, busy. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a delight. It's a delight. I, I love that you're using uh, the gifts the Lord has, used, uh, has given you, that you're stepping out uh, of your comfort zone to bless the the Lord's people in this way, and uh, I, in fact, I have listened to your podcast before, and so I'm I'm grateful and honored to be on. Oh, praise God! Right. Yeah, so of course, you know, we're just making much of Jesus and sharing how He took us from a dark place to light. Mm. And can you um, just let us into your story? Like, how did you? Yeah, what was your life like before Christ? And just let us um in. <laughs> <laughs> I was. You asked that question. I, did you ever see Steve Martin and the Jerk? You ever see that movie? No. Okay, so that's for your time. Uh, so <laughs> Steve Steve Martin played in this movie called The Jerk, and he was uh, as a little baby, basically adopted by um, this black sharecropping family, big family. And so when the story starts, the movie starts. He says, "I was born. I was born a poor black child in Alabama." Now he just is white as. It's <laughs> all <laughs> get out. It's a fun movie. You'll enjoy it. Uh, but no, I, I was born a poor black child in North Carolina. Uh, youngest of eight children. Um, ten years between me and my next sibling. So it's kind of like growing up with four mothers, uh, my three sisters and my, my actual mom. Um, and yeah, just there in small town North Carolina, which is in many ways the good life. Um, and in many other ways, I mean, you, it's, it's a little bit of a bubble, right? You know, you know, the people in the town and news travel fast, but nothing, nothing kind of changes, uh, in that respect. And my, my family growing up was a, a nominal Christian family. We, we would have, we were Christian in name only really. Um, we weren't enemies of the gospel or anything like that, but we weren't living a, a consistent daily Christian life and Christian witness and, uh, growing up what I really knew of the church was when my older brothers, that three older brothers, when they got into trouble, they would sometimes go to church and kind of try to get themselves together. Um, so, so church was a little bit like rehab. And so they would, they would go and uh, for a few weeks or a few months um, would, would sort of click into um, church routines and, and habits. And, but before long, they'd be back to doing what they were doing. And uh, that was my, um, kind of introduction to church besides you know being younger as a little boy uh, being taken to church from time to time and, and not really understanding what was going on and um yeah just you know church was uh, i understood church largely in terms of its rituals um as opposed to um what the bible teaches about about jesus and about salvation and things of that sort and so that was um that was sort of the early part of my life is playing basketball, riding my bikes with my friends, um, and living in this kind of nominal Christian environment in that way. Mm. Yeah. So when was that moment where you, um, 
where the Lord found you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had to come looking for me too, girl, because I was I was out there doing what I do or used to do. Um, also, you know, um, there are probably several turning points uh, where the Lord was uh, increasingly speaking to me and drawing me to Himself and trying to get my attention. Um, the first was as a sophomore in high school. It's the summer after my sophomore year. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying the kind of small town popularity that comes from being, you know, on sports teams and winning state championships and things of that sort. And um, so that 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 summer I had my first job and uh, got arrested on that job for um, doing some things with uh, some older men on that job that, that I shouldn't have I shouldn't have been doing. We We stole some things and. It was really, it was really a crime of stupidity because I didn't have any bills. I had a pocket full of money. I probably had three cash checks in my pocket, and the stuff that I took was like worth thirty dollars. And, um, and so it was just really stupid. And I got arrested as a consequence. Had never been in trouble before, and I uh, had been sort of an an A B student, and as I said, an athlete, and generally had a had a had a good reputation. Well, that all came crashing down in that instance. Um, friends began to distance themselves from me because they were their parents were rightly concerned that maybe I was headed toward the street or some other things and um, broke my mom's heart. And um, I, I'll never forget her saying to me uh, in the kitchen, she'd come up town and um, pick me up from, from the courthouse, brought me home, long, long, quiet ride home. I'm and sure. uh, yeah, and we get to the house and she said, just going in the house and um you know, my mom is 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 pretty quiet anyway. I mean, she she can knock you out just with a quiet look. And uh, the only thing worse than that is when she starts humming. And she went in the kitchen and was moving some pots around. She wasn't really cooking. She's just you know just trying to get herself together. And she started humming. And I thought, okay, I've never been in trouble like this. I've I've seen my brothers get in trouble, and this is new for me. And I said to her, I said, Mom, would you would you talk with me? And uh, without looking up at me. Uh, with you know tears in her eyes, she said, "I thought I would have one son that who would, who would be somebody," and that just cut me in half, man. It just cut me in half. And my immediate thought at that moment was, "I better go to church," because I thought I'm in trouble. That's what I've seen my brothers do. They get in trouble. They go to church. They try to get themselves together. Um, and so that's what I did. And so I attended the little church my family went to from time to time. Lovely people. I think they they mean to love Jesus and things of that sort. But it wasn't a it wasn't a congregation, um, or the preaching and teaching in the congregation wasn't really clear on the gospel, and I didn't yet have ears to hear it. So if only if only a given Sunday it was clear, um, I I'm only beginning to be awakened to um, my life of sin and things of that sort. So that's my sophomore year. Going into my junior year, my junior year, I've got a, a literature teacher who taught Greek and modern literature, and um, she saw the anger and the stuff that I was beginning to really kind of boil over in, and um, she tried to help me process that. But the way she tried it was to give me the writings of 60s radicals, Malcolm X, Amiri Baraka, you know, folks like that which just made me more angry, right? Mm, and so by the time sure. I yeah, by the time I went off to college, I was this angry young man and my freshman year there were some clean-cut African American men, suits, bow ties coming onto campus, coming to student events, particularly like lectures and things. 
and talking about the importance of of loving uh, black men, loving their women, marrying their women, raising their families, contributing to the community. I'd never seen men like this. Um, and they were they were Muslim men, uh, black Muslim men. And so I was like a moth attracted to flame because my dad had left when I was 13. The, the men I'd kind of known um, growing up, none of them were talking what they were talking. None of them sort of had the kind of discipline and uprightness I thought I saw in their lives. And so long story short, I converted to Islam my sophomore year in college and um, became a practicing Muslim and became really a, a kind of enemy of the cross because that experience I had in a little church back home, I, I, I sort of summed that up as kind of pie in the sky, you know, false religion kind of thing and felt like I had found the truth in Islam. And so really became, a, a, as I said, an enemy of the cross in my undergraduate years, became very zealous for Islam, led a number of men, uh, young men in college into Islam and um, lived that way for the rest of my undergraduate years. Um, and shortly after graduation or near, the end, near graduation was uh, up one morning during Ramadan uh, for the, that's the Muslim month of, of, of fasting prayer. And I was up early to begin to fast and to make my morning prayers and was reading the Quran. And as I was reading Surah Maryam, which is the, the chapter on Mary and the virgin birth, um, I was rocked because I just thought this reads like a plagiarism of the Gospels. Why is this in the Quran? Because we deny uh, as Muslims that Jesus is the son of God. We regard that as blasphemy. And here the Quran itself is teaching the virgin birth of Christ. And if he's virgin born, then how is he not the son of God, you know, from mm -hmm. a Christian point of view? So that left me, that rocked me and left me with a lot of questions. And the more I got sort of answers to my questions, the worse the theological claims of Islam became. And so Islam just began to unravel uh, over the course of a year or so uh, as I kept you know, meeting with various folks, getting answers, talking to imams and things of that sort. Again, the more they the more they sort of taught, the worse it got. And so after about a year of that, I threw my arms up and said, you know what? Um, all religions are false. Um, you know, um, Christians claim this, Muslims claim that, but they're all they're all man made and they're all false. And and on my best days, Sean, I was agnostic. You know, I said to myself, well, maybe there's a God, but who can know him? Nobody really knows him. Uh, and on my worst days, I was atheistic, you know, just claiming that God did not exist. And lived that way for about a year until the Lord um, sort of rocked me for a second time. Um, and that's when Chris and I miscarried uh, what would have been our first child. We were three months into the pregnancy, and um, we were really basing our hopes on having this child and um, ideas of the, you know, the White House, picket fence, two and a half kids, that kind of thing. And um, the, the three months into the pregnancy, when we were to hear the baby's heartbeat uh, for the first time, we went to the doctor's office and uh, found out that we had miscarried the child. And the Lord just really humbled us. It was a severe mercy. And um, so I, that put me in a depression. So rather than going to work as I was supposed to, I was 
at home on the couch watching BT, watching videos, and just kind of just kind of numb and and and, and lost and and drifting. And at that time, there was a, a pastor named John Cherry. Uh, he pastors actually over in Temple Hills, Maryland, and he had a television program that came on BET on Tuesday mornings at 10, I believe it was. And I was sitting there one Tuesday morning, and he was preaching through um, Timothy, Second Timothy, and he was on. He was doing a series called um, the the Life of the Christian Mind or something like that. And he was just walking verse by verse through, you know, study to show yourself approved. And I just thought, sitting there on that couch, when did Christians become thinking people? Because I, I had wow. I had not met a Christian up until that point who could really explain their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought, whoa, this is new. And as he was teaching just sort of line by line, phrase by phrase through Timothy, it was like somebody had rewritten the Bible. And uh, what I was used to in that little traditional church I grew up in, so the preacher, you know, he name a text, he he give you his his sort of thought for the morning, and uh, he 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 hoops for about thirty minutes or whatever. Um, I had never heard exposition, and, and again, it was like somebody had rewritten the Bible, and the Lord began to draw me by His Word, and so. Um, Christy, I watched him for a couple of weeks and, and, um, Christy would come home. She was a teacher at the time. And I was like, you've got to watch this program. And she's like, what, what, what are you talking about? I said, this, this preacher, this television preacher, um, preaching through the Bible. And, uh, she looked at me like I had three heads because, uh, she, she knew what I was like as a Muslim. She knew how I had opposed Christianity earlier in our marriage. She had made attempts to go to church and, and, figure some things out, but I was a dead weight around her ankle. I was, I was like, I'm not going in there, you know, blonde hair, blue eye, Jesus, pie in pie in the sky, all that stuff. Um, so I had held her back for years in terms of spiritual interest that she had. And so we began to watch his show, tape his show. And we found out that he was, you know, over in Temple Hills, Maryland. And at that time, my sister-in-law lived in Southeast DC. She lived over in Marbury Plaza on Good Hope Road. And so we came up to visit her one weekend with the intention of, of going to that church. And at the time, the church had a membership of, of a few thousand. And um, we got there early, get a good seat with about 10 rows right in front of the pulpit. And, you know, a few thousand people in that service, a couple thousand people in that service. And it was like it was just me and him. He preached a sermon from Exodus 32 that he titled, What Does It Take to Make You Angry? And uh, here I was, this angry man, uh, full of full of confusion, full of bitterness and doubt. And as he talked about developing a righteous anger towards sin and the effect of sin in our life and talked about idolatry and false worship. And I reflected on my life as a, as a Muslim and things of that sort. I just fell under heavy conviction um, from the spirit as he preached the word. And he concluded that sermon by just walking through the gospel and doing an altar call. That's just to bow our heads and all that good stuff. And when he um, got to the point where he asked us to, to, if we wanted to make a commitment to Christ, to, to stand and to open our eyes and, and to come down front, I, I looked over. And this is the first time I recognized that Christy was in the service with me. We both were standing um, and, and responding to the gospel. And, and we believe we were both converted that Sunday morning under the preaching of the gospel. Wow. God is so faithful. He is. He's good. Wow. He's he good. Is so good. He's good. And there, and there was just such mercy in that because 
um, honestly, we were, we had been in a patch of really struggling in our marriage because um, I was empty spiritually. We'd had the miscarriage. I didn't know how to comfort my wife in that loss. And um, she was, she was struggling and we had been in a season even before we got pregnant where we were just kind of rooming together. We were, we weren't clicking. We weren't really, um, we weren't really together in some important ways. And, and I had, you know, I had had moments of doubt about whether we would make it. And so when the Lord saved us and gave mm-hmm. us new life together at the same time, he also gave us a new marriage. We, we came back home that weekend from DC, um, did the thing that we, we instinctively thought to do, which was to go to a Christian bookstore and uh, try and get some good Christian books and things of that sort. And we would have quiet time in the Word, uh, each of us sitting on the opposite end of the little breakfast nook table that we had. And the first study that we did, um, you know, at that table was just looking up every reference to marriage in the Bible and and roles in marriage and trying to get a sense of what God was had called us to as as Christian husband and wife. And in that process, he just renewed our minds and renewed our relationship. And as I said, not only gave us new life in Christ, but gave us a new marriage together too. Hmm. Won't he he do will. It? Yes, he will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he will. <laughs> he is wow. super faithful. Yeah. Well, praise God. Thank you for sharing your story, Pastor mm-hmm. T. Such a blessing. Um, what would you say in this season is the scripture that you're holding on to? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, that's a really good question, Sean. I, I, I think I, I think now much more in terms of entire passages um, and, and books of the Bible. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one that's kind of been dear to me over the last couple of years has really been Ecclesiastes. Um, and in, near the end of Ecclesiastes, the writer says, of the writing of many books, there is no end. And he says, now, hear the conclusion of the matter, um, that the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. That's how he kind of ends that book as he goes through all the different kind of philosophies of life and ways of living that appear wise and uh, things of that sort. And he says, now, actually, at the bottom, you know, the whole the whole kit and caboodle is that we fear God and keep his commandments. And um, that was important to me early in my Christian walk. And I feel like I've been in a season over the last um, year or two where the Lord has brought me back to that. And, and, um, and, and that's, become, that's become dear to me now in this season as well. So I'm, I'm not, I haven't been writing any books. I haven't been writing any blog posts. Just been trying to be near the Lord, to respect him and honor him uh, and to keep his word. Hmm. Yeah, that's the word. I might have to steal that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't, like, I can't steal it. But, you know, it's, listen, the word is given to him. That's exactly, exactly what I was going to say. It's in the book. It's for you, too. <laughs> yes. Amen. Amen. Um, what would you say to someone who's just heard your testimony and um, is not a believer? Mm. And um, how to um, just hope and pray that they will also put their faith in this Jesus who you just, you know, talked about, who saved you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think I would say, you know, there, there may be many ways in which their life is very different from mine and maybe some ways in which the, their life is similar. Um, 
but don't think about the similarities or the differences that your story has with mine, except in this respect, that um, what has happened for me in coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is exactly the same thing that um, God wants for you, that he sent his son into the world, not just to rescue me from judgment and sin and eternity in hell. He sent his son into the world to rescue you too, um, that, that God loves you and he proved his love in that while you didn't know him and while you were doing your own thing, while you were doing wrong uh, and sinning, even while you were in that situation, God showed his love for you in that he gave his son to die for you. Um, that the cross is the proof of God's love for you. And um, that proof stands for all eternity. And it's wise and good and right for you to turn to Jesus, uh, the crucified and resurrected son of God, and put your faith in him and to receive God's love for you. Um, you have to do it. Uh, don't delay. Uh, do it before it's too late. Put your trust in the Lord uh, and live in him. Hmm. Well, thanks so much, Pastor T, for taking time out to um, be on my struggling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, it's a joy. It's a joy to be with you. And here's the truth. All podcasts are struggling podcasts. You know, they, they fighting to get somebody to listen and all that good stuff. Uh, never know if anybody's out there. But I, what I love about um, you, sis, is you, you're just doing what the Lord calls you to do. And you can trust him to either make it a struggling podcast or what somebody might regard as a successful podcast. It's, it's up to him to do that. You just keep being faithful. Yeah, thank you, bro. Yeah, thank you. Bye. No, right. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. I hope that by listening to this testimony, you have been encouraged. If you are listening and you are not a believer, which means that you have not placed your faith in Jesus, I pray that you realize that you are a sinner in need of a savior. I encourage you to reach out to the person that shared this podcast with you and tell them that you would like to learn more about Jesus. If you are a believer, I encourage you to go tell it. Go tell someone about Jesus. Go and share the gospel. It's all about him. He is our only hope. And I also hope that you would tune in tomorrow as we are making much of Jesus. 